Turn in your Bible to the book of Psalms, the biggest book of Psalms. This is the last Sunday of 2018, and you are ending this year on the right note by being here in God's house. Have you been blessed so far this morning? God is good. He is so good to us. My sermon title this morning is Time. Time. You know, have you ever heard that expression, watch the clock? Watch the, it's important. If you're playing a football game and you're going to try to kick a winning field goal, you need to be watching the clock. Or in a basketball game, if you're going to hit that winning shot when it hits the buzzer like every boy on every playground has ever, three, two, one, and, right? You got to watch the clock. In life, you better watch the clock or you're going to miss your flight or you're going to be late for work. You better watch the clock. Show up at lunch tomorrow and see how your boss feels about it. Okay, it is important to pay attention to time. And I don't know, maybe if you're like me this morning, here I am, the last Sunday of 2018, and I'm thinking about the year. You know what I'm thinking? Where did it go? Where, right? That bad boy flew by. About the time I got used to it being 2018, here it is. It's almost over. Time just goes by. But it doesn't matter if it's a clock on the back wall, an Apple Watch, or whatever, your cell phone. Time in 2018 has never been more important, more valued, or precisely measured. Uh, think about this. In 1790, only 10% of the people living in North America, only 10% even had a clock. And out of that 10%, uh, 90% of those clocks didn't even have a minute hand. And, right, it just didn't matter. Alarm clocks and wristwatches didn't become common until the end of the uh, 19th century. But today, everything depends upon time. Doesn't even your computer, if your computer, your GPS, everything. Time is very important and it's measured precisely. Matter of fact, look at this slide right here. This week, uh, I found out here in Northwest Washington on the grounds of the United States Naval Observatory in a concrete building. There's this place called the United States Directorate of Time. I don't. It sounds pretty cool, though, right? the directorate of time. And in that building, they've got 28 atomic clocks. Four of those clocks have uh, atoms of hydrogen and the rest cesium. And uh, what they do is they hit those bad boys with lasers or microwave waves, and those atoms vibrate. And they monitor that vibrations by computers, and they're me measuring those vibrations every second. And those results from all 28 atomic clocks are then sent uh, to the, the master clock, and then the measurements from the master clock, and they have these master clocks all over the world doing the same thing. All of those are sent to the International Bureau of Weights and Measures, which is outside of Paris, France. And so the time, the clock there is accurate to one billionth of a second. Pretty serious stuff, measuring time. When you think about it, it's Science takes time pretty seriously. Our government clearly takes, we got some nuclear clocks, y'all, takes time very seriously. But many times we as individuals, I don't think we take time as seriously as we should. Matter of fact, we don't do it until it's too late. What's well, the one thing when a doctor comes in to somebody and tells them, listen, you have this disease and it's terminal, there's no cure. What's the first thing that person is going to ask? How much time do I have? Right? Time suddenly becomes very important. Look at this next slide. It's amazing to me that we don't mind wasting time, but we'll do anything to keep from losing time. We don't mind wasting it, but we don't want to lose any time. And so there's this one key thought. I want to plant this thought for you guys. If you got your bulletin, take some notes this morning. Write this down. Time is life. 
Time equals, time is money? No, it's not. Okay, that's just a byproduct. Time is life. Your life is made up of time and time is made up of your life. When you ask, when you ask the question, where did, where did the time go? What you're asking is, where did my life go? Where did my life go? Look at this next slide. As a matter of fact, Benjamin Franklin, he said this. He said, doest thou love life? Then do not squander time, for that is the stuff that life is made of. Your life is made up of time. Time. Your time equals your life. You can run out of money and still not run out of time. You can run out of friends and still have life and time to spare. You can run out of electricity and still not run out of time. But once you run out of time, it's over. It's all over. We often talk about using our money wisely. And preachers, we like to preach on tithing and tell you how to, uh, to, to be generous givers. And around here at Grace, we talk about three things all the time. We say that you need to invest your time, treasure, and talent into the kingdom. Time, treasure, and talent. And the one thing that we don't talk about as much is time. And when we do talk about time, generally what we mean is serving at church, serving through ministries, and those kind of things. But we need to learn to be good stewards of this gift that God has given us called time, right? You can make more money. You can make new friends. You can make another pot of stew. You can have a, another vacation. Some of y'all can even have more babies, but you can't make more time. You can't. Job put it this way. When Job's talking about the life of a man, he says this, since his days are determined, the number of his months is with you. You have appointed his limits so that he cannot pass. You can overspend money. Hey, Merry Christmas. We can overeat. And you can overachieve, but you can't overlive your time. You've got what you've got, and that's all there is, and there's not going to be anymore. Time is important. And if you want to use your time the best way possible, uh, I've got three things I'm pulling out from this verse that we're going to be looking at this morning. And again, write this down. Number one, if you're going to use your time appropriately, each day should be appreciated. Each day should be appreciated. It should be appreciated as a gift from God. Today is a gift from God. This moment, even listening to me preach, is a gift, if I, especially, right, Mama, Alicia, Mama? And now, but listen, this moment is a gift from God. He's given it to you. Look at Psalm 118. Some of y'all looked at my wife like, no, it's really not. Are you going to lie? Your sister, you're in church. It's not a gift. I want a refund. Look at Psalm 118, verse 24. I'm sorry, baby. I'll buy you lunch. This is the day the Lord has made. Which day? This day. Who made it? The Lord made it. It's his, and he's given it to you. It's his day, and he's allowed us to have it. You're going to see the only day the psalmist is going to talk about is today. Today is the day. In other words, every moment of every second, every second of every minute, every minute of every hour, every hour of every day is a precious gift from God. You didn't deserve it. You don't earn it, yet he has given it to you. It's literally a gift from God. When it comes to time, God doesn't show favoritism. If he allows us to live through this day, we all had the exact same amount of time to do whatever we're going to do with this day. He, he distributes it equally in any given day. We all have the exact same amount. Listen, it doesn't matter. The millionaire doesn't have more time than the homeless person. The president of the United States doesn't have more time than the preacher. We all have the same amount of time. Have you ever said to somebody, you know, I wish I had as much time as you do? You do. You've got the exact same amount of time as that person. You know, there are many of you, being honest, okay, a couple of things. This sermon isn't about trying to get you to do more. 
Some of you need to do more. I'm, okay, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, you know, some of you really need to step up. But that's not what this is about. It's about it a little bit. But this is about appreciating and using the time that God has given you to glorify God. We can't do all the things that we think we need to do anyway. Uh, several years ago, there was a newspaper, and they contacted all these experts, and they asked the experts from all these different fields how much time a day we should spend doing certain things, like how long should you brush your teeth, how long should you shower, how long should you exercise, right? What's the average commute to work? How long does an average American uh, work? How long? And all these different things. They asked all these different experts to tell them how long these things would take to exercise, to do hygiene, to work, commuting back and forth from work, household chores, eating, entertainment, spiritual development, we're big on that here, sleep, and even spending time with your kids. And so I've got bad news for you. All you need to do everything the experts say that you need to do, look at this next slide, 42 hours a day. That's all you need. Have you ever felt like you didn't have enough time in the day? You don't. You don't have enough time in the day to do everything that everybody else thinks that you need to do. But you've got exactly the time for what God has called you to do. The only things you need to do in a given day are the things that God has called you to do. And if God called you to it, he will see that you've got the time to do it. If you don't believe it, just think about Jesus. Jesus, 33 years old, roughly, and we believe he spent about three years actively in his ministry as the Messiah. Think about everything that Jesus accomplished in just three short years. He revolutionized the meaning of the Old Testament law. He introduced the gospel. He is the gospel. He changed a 2,000-year-old mindset about how people relate to God and their sin. He changed the perspective of the entire world on salvation and spirituality. He died for the sins, past, present, future sins of of the world. He came back from the dead. If you don't think that's hard, you try it. He became the founder of a brand new entity called the church. And he did that in three years. And yet in John 17 verse four, it says this, Jesus said to his heavenly father, I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. You can say the same thing with your life. You're not going to be able to do that doing everything everybody else thinks that you need to do, but you can do that doing exactly what God has called you to do. And at the end of your days, you can say, God, I've glorified you. I did the work that you called me to do. And you do that when you realize that every single day, every moment, every day is a gift. 2018, no matter how hard it was for you, was a gift from God. Number two, write this down. Also, we should appreciate... Also, we should dedicate, each day should be dedicated to God. Each day, even Friday nights, should be dedicated to the glory of God. You, I said Friday, you're like, I wonder what, you know what I'm talking about. Look at Psalm 118 again. This is the day the Lord has made. This verse isn't talking about yesterday. That was the day that the Lord did make. It's not talking about in the future. That will be the day that the Lord will make. It's speaking about today. The only day you can really enjoy is today. Yesterday is a memory. The future hasn't even happened yet. Today is all that you're sure of and all that you're promised to have. You can only enjoy today. One time somebody came up to Yogi Berra and he's the greatest. And Yogi Berra, they asked Yogi Berra, hey, Yogi, what time is it? And he said, you mean now? Yes, Yogi, now, right now. Look at this next slide. Now is the only time that we have. And if we're going to do anything for the glory of God, we need to do it now. 
Tomorrow is not promised. Uh, Spencer Johnson in a book, it's a book called The Present, uh, the Pre- like a gift, The Present. And he told a story about a young man that was, went to work. He hated his job and he just couldn't, he, he hated his job and he was stressed out, frustrated all the time. Anybody in here ever have a job you just hated? Raise your hand, right? And uh, a lot of blessed people here this morning. And so, um, and, and he just hated it and was stressed out. There was this older gentleman that worked the same job, and he noticed that he was happy, seemed to be happy all the time, wasn't nearly as stressed out, wasn't nearly as frustrated, but besides their age, everything in their life was identical, the same pressures, the same stresses, and he finally got talking to the older gentleman about, why aren't you stressed out? Why, aren't, why don't you just want to kill our boss like I do? Why are you so calm and everything seems so good? And the point of the book and the lesson that the older gentleman taught the young man was that this moment, the very moment, the old man realized that every moment that I was living was a gift from God. Every moment, even when I'm, you know, and not in a great circumstance, even when I hate my job and I hate my boss, even when things aren't going my way, it's a gift from God. And he taught that young man, he said, you need to focus on that and forget about yesterday and tomorrow will take care of itself. Have you ever heard somebody trying to save time? I got to save time. You can't save time. All you can do is spend time. You've never saved time in your life. All you've done is use it and spend it. And you can spend it well or you can spend it poorly. It's up to you. You got to understand the clock is running. It doesn't stop for anybody. You can only spend it. Time by any measurement is extremely valuable. For example, ask a student who failed a grade in school how valuable one year is. Or ask a mother who gave birth to a child prematurely how valuable one month is. Or ask an editor of a weekly newspaper how valuable one week is. Ask a student who flunked the final exam how valuable one hour would have been. Or ask a person who missed their flight how valuable one minute would have been. Ask somebody who watched two, and an intersection they're about to drive through, watch two cars slam into each other right in front of them how valuable one second is. Or ask a a sprinter in the Olympics who got the silver medal how valuable one millisecond is. Time is valuable, and we put a high premium on it, but yet so many times we don't appreciate it, we don't dedicate it to God, and we take it for granted. You can put money in the bank, but you can't put time in the bank. You cannot put 61 minutes in an hour, no matter how hard you try. And Paul said this, look in Ephesians 5 verse 15. He said this as a warning. He says, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time. Why? Because the days are evil. He's saying redeem the time. That expression there, redeeming, it's a financial term. What he's saying is invest your time in good things. Invest your time wisely. He's saying make sure that whatever you're doing is profitable and worth doing. I mean, I, I use this illustration, but uh, imagine a, your banker called you and he said, guess what? You've got an anonymous donor and they're going to donate 86,400 pennies into your account every day, 365 days a year, right? But the only catch is, you know, that's $864 a day. And the only catch is you've got to spend the entire $864 every single day. Whatever you don't spend just goes away. You can't save it. You can't put any back. You can't hold it for tomorrow. You've got to spend the $864 every single day. How many of y'all think you could do that? I think I could. Right? At least you could do it this afternoon. Amen. Just gone. <laughs> I mean, so I'm not going to look over there. <laughs> I'm not going to look. 
I'm not going to love. But listen, uh, uh, what, that's exactly what God does in our lives. He gives us 86,400 seconds every single day, and he invests that in our lives every day. We can't carry any of that forward. We can't carry any of that. We can't invest it. We can't try to get dividends on it. We can't try to hold it for a rainy day. You're going to spend that full amount every single day. You're either going to use it or you're going to lose it. And I put this in my notes so I wouldn't forget, but I, I shared in the first service a practical tip. Here's something that I mean to do every day, but I tend to only do when I know I'm really busy, right? I'm like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to stick with it. But every time I've ever done it, it's been a blessing to me when I'm busy. So my goal this year is to really stick with it. And what I mean is, is to set a list of priorities. Now, for you, maybe you know you got to go to work. you got to be there at 7 o'clock in the morning. You're not getting off till 5 or whatever, right? Don't even put that on your list. You know you've got to go to work. But what I mean is this, many times when we got about a dozen things to do in a day, we end up working on the urgent and not on the stuff that's important, right? It's like putting out little fires all day and you never get the big things done. Maybe you need to start your day out with a prioritized list. In other words, like you all look so righteous, this, you look so holy, like little halos are glowing. And so I know that on your list of things that you'd want to do on any given day is read your Bible and pray. So you write that down. I, I, do mine on, I do mine on my cell phone. I've got a little app, a little task app that I use, and I type everything in. And so I want to read my Bible and pray. Second thing, I need to, if you're a student, I need to study for that exam. Third thing, I need to, my tire, I need to put air in my tire, right? Fourth thing, you know, whatever your list is, and then order it by priority. What's the one thing, if you don't get anything else done that day, what's the one thing that you want to get done? Well, read your Bible and pray. So that'd be number one. What's the second thing? What's the third? And then what you do is you tackle those things in the order of priority. You start with number one. You don't do number two till you finish number one. Then you go to number three. You don't do number three till you finish number two. And you do things by order of priority, not just by urgency of the moment. And you'll be surprised at how much you actually can redeem the time and get so much more done. Maybe it's like, I got to exercise. I got to do this. I got to do that. You order your life in such a way that you can use your time in a way that will glorify God. You do it for 30 days, it'll change your life. Like I said, me, I, I do it, but then I just do it during busy times. Like, I know I'm super busy. I got to prioritize. And then when things kind of calm down, I kind of just stop doing it. I encourage you to join me in 2019 and prioritize your life. Zig Ziglar said this. Look at this next slide. He said, if you would do what you ought to do when you ought to do it, then you can do what you want to do when you want to do it. If you do what you should be doing when you should be doing it, then you can do the things that you want to do when you want to do it. Have you ever had that with your children? You tell your kids, yeah, no, you can't go out and play till you clean your room. And then they're just goofing around. You're like, hey, don't forget. You can't go outside and play. You clean your room. Time goes by a couple hours later. Hey, I'm going outside. No, you're not. Why? You didn't clean your room, right? And if they had done what they should have done, when they should have done it, then they could do what they wanted to do when they wanted to do it. The same thing is true in the life of us as adults. God wants us uh, to honor him with the time that he's given us, and we do that by asking him what he wants us to do and setting our agenda off of that. Number three, write this down. Also, each day should be celebrated. Celebrated. Celebrate good time. Come on. Sorry, it was in my head. Psalm 118, verse 24. Look at it again. 
This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Do you see that word will? We will rejoice. Now, who's the we? God's people. What are God's people going to do? Rejoice. Why? Because this is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice in it. What we've got in the church of 2018, we do not have enough rejoicers. We got so many people on the lemon sucking committee. It's not even funny. Come in with pooch mouth, leave with the pooch mouth. I'm not just talking about here at Grace, but yeah, I'm talking about some of y'all. Are you talking about me? Probably. Man, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. So many Christians are moving through life, right? Like Eeyore Christians. I've had enough. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a negative person. I can relate, y'all. I am by natural bent negative. I got a mean streak in me, too. I know it's hard to imagine. But God saved me, and he changed me, and he's made me new and made me different. And when I get around other believers, I want to rejoice. I want to be happy. This is the day the Lord has made. We will. Who's we? God's people. What are they going to do? Rejoice. But yet so many don't. They don't come to worship. They come to criticize. They don't come to celebrate the Savior. They come to find something to not be happy about. My goodness. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Regardless of your circumstances, man, circumstances are change. Jesus ain't changing nada, not for you, not for me, not for anybody. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. We can celebrate who he is, no matter what's going on in my life. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. And what he's really saying there is taking time to stop and smell the roses. I know it's tough, man. And listen, you know, I'm talking about, you know, the lemon sucking committee and all that. But listen, I know that you're bringing stuff in here that I don't know. You've got your burden. Like, you, like there's stuff I know that would blow your mind about pe- people have burdens, man, right? Shake your head, right? People are carrying burdens. They're carrying a load. And the world is hard. It's harder when you try to do it without Jesus. And there's so many Christians who are trying to do it without Jesus. He's there for them. He loves them. He's in them. But they think if it's meant to be, it's up to me. I'll do it. I'll fix it. I'll take care of it. And they're miserable. The proof is in the pudding. And so I know that you're going through hard times. We talked about this last week. It's not about going, we call it in the Kelly house because we're so sanctified. We call it giddy idiots. Giddy idiots. Right? It's not about running around just a giddy idiot, happy for, you know, it's talking about the joy of the Lord, rejoicing in who God is and what he's done for us, recognizing that the time is a gift. Here's how busy we are. I looked this up this week. Every day in America, every day in the United States, 108,000 people move to a new house. 18,000 people move to a new state. Every day, the government issues 50 pages of regulations. Every day in America, 40 Americans turn 100. About 5,800 turn 65. And about 8,000 try to pretend like they're not turning 45 or 40. They're, they're lying. But did you notice how the numbers go down? 40 Americans every day are turning 100. About 5,800 are turning 65. And about 8,000 are turning 40. This is the day, today, to rejoice and be glad in it, to celebrate what God, because tomorrow's not promised. 167 businesses will go bankrupt 
while 689 new ones start. The Smithsonian Institute is going to add about 2,500 things. Americans are going to purchase 4,500 new uh, cars and trucks, but we're going to smash about 87,000. There'll be 20,000 letters written to the president. Dogs are going to bite 11,000 people, and about 20 of those really are the, the mailman. Okay? It's, it's a real thing. It's a real thing. Bless them. <laughs> we had a UPS guy show up at the Kelly uh, house, and, and he got about halfway out the truck, and Miracle, our little English setter, was barking. And I could, I could see in that man's eyes, oh, he's been bit. He <laughs> was terrified. Oh, man. Merry Christmas. Anyway, he didn't laugh. I said, sick him. He didn't laugh. Um, I didn't. We eat about 75 acres of pizza. 53 million hot dogs, 167 million eggs, 3 million gallons of ice cream, 3,000 tons of candy, and then we also, or y'all, jog 17 million miles and burn about 1.7 billion calories while we're doing it. You're busy. You're really busy. And so this, it isn't about pretending that you're not busy. Some things won't ever change. But whether or not you enjoy today and are grateful for today, no matter how busy you are, it's up to you, man. You decide. You choose. And it's amazing how much sweeter the day is, how much better the day is, how much more enjoyable the day is when you decide to stop and take the time to rejoice in the Lord, to spend time with God, and thank Him for His goodness. If you do not learn how to, if you do, listen, if you do not learn how to rejoice in the Lord, if you don't learn how to celebrate today as a gift, if you don't get rid of that critical spirit, if you don't get rid of that spirit, uh, uh, sin that's in your life, if you don't get rid of some things, if it's just, if you don't get off the lemon sucking committee, you're going to live a very short life in a very long time. You're going to have lived very little, but it's just going to take a long time to get through it. And you're going to feel every second, every minute, Every hour, every day, every week, every year, miserable. This is the day. This is the day that the Lord has made. We're rejoicing this day. We're not promised another. You got to learn how to rejoice, man. I heard about a man who went to see the doctor. And uh, he found out the worst news nobody would want. You know, you're, you've got this disease. You're dying. It's terminal. And the man asked the doctor. He's like, Doc, is is there anything that I can do? And I was like, no, I'm sorry. You've got about six months to live. And he's like, Doc, what do, six, is there anything I can do to prolong it, to make this last a little longer, to extend my life? And the doctor says, not really, but I can only tell you what I would do. And the man said, what would you do, Doc? He got the pen and the notebook out. and he, What would you do? And the doctor said, well, the first thing I'd do is i find me a pre pretty ugly woman with about 10 kids. I'd marry her. And the guy's like, okay, a pretty ugly woman, 10 kids, marry her, all right? And he said, then I'd go buy a farm over in West Texas, that barren part of West, hush it up now, West Texas, and I'd buy a farm over there. And the guy's like, all right, farm, West Texas. What's the next, Doc? He said, I'd buy about 100 of the smelliest, foulest pigs that you can find. And the guy said, okay, 100 pigs, all right. He said, that it? That's it. The guy says, okay, let me get this right. You want me to find me a, an ugly woman with about 10 kids and to buy a farm in West Texas and get about 100 pigs of the smelliest, dirtiest, nastiest pigs that money can buy. Is that right? The doctor said, that's right. 
And the guy says, is that going to make me live longer? Is that going to prolong my life? Is that going to make me happy? And the doctor said, nope, but it'll be the longest six months of your life. Amen? <laughs> Some of us are living like that. Except, guess what? Your wife isn't ugly, those kids, you know, whatever, and the farm isn't in West Texas, and you don't have any pigs. Some of us are living as if that's our life. And time is just, time is your enemy because you're in misery. Look at this next slide. At all of it. All time is short. All time is short. And we need to make the most of the time that God has given us. As a matter of fact, I don't know, if you're here this morning, you've never received Christ, you're not a Christian, you've never trusted him, you've not established a relationship with God, one of the things that you might say that uh, many people say is, I'll get right tomorrow. I'll get right tomorrow. I'll straighten it out tomorrow. I'll get serious with God tomorrow. I'll, I'll take care of this sin tomorrow. The truth is, if you're ever going to get right with God, it's today. It's today. It's only today. It's only ever been today. Because when tomorrow comes, guess what it is? Today. Today. And today is a gift from God, an opportunity to get right with him. And he's shown you so much grace and mercy and compassion that it's unreal. That's gotten you to this point so that you can know him and serve him and love him. And he can give these days and hours and minutes meaning that you can't even imagine. But don't put it off till tomorrow because there is no tomorrow. It's always going to be today. And there's no time in this world that could ever come close to the just unbearable time that eternity apart from Christ would be like. No matter what your situation is today, that will be much worse. But if you receive Christ, you trust God, you surrender your life and your time to him, if you take that and make the most not only of today but every day, what God has for you, you surrender to him, you surrender your life to Jesus Christ, and he'll take what time's left and he'll use it and he'll bless it and he'll bless you and you'll be a blessing to others. And then, and it's only then that you can say, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day. Only when you know him and you're surrendered to him. Because if you don't know him and you're not surrendered to him, there's nothing to rejoice. Except that he's been kind enough to give you another day so that you might become a child of God. Let's pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for time that you've given us, for these days and these years that you have blessed us with. God, you've given us so much more than we could ever imagine, more than we could ever deserve. God, we're so grateful that you allow us to come and rejoice in who you are and to be used by you. Listen, every head bowed, every eye closed. This morning, maybe you're a believer. You know that you're a Christian. You know you're a child of the king. You know that you're saved. There's no question about that. But maybe in your life there's some sin, there's some issue, there's something, and you're investing your time into something that does not honor the God who has given you the time. It does not glorify your Father in heaven. Some sin in your life, some activity, some thing, some person doesn't glorify God. This morning, why don't you repent of that? 
draw close to your heavenly father who loves you. He'll take that sin away from you. And he'll use the days that you have ahead for his glory. Or maybe your prayer this morning is simply, God, use my time. God, use the time that you're giving me to glorify yourself in my life. Is that your prayer this morning? Is that your desire this morning that God would use your life and the time that he's given you for his glory? Slip your hand up so I can pray for all. I just want to pray all over the sanctuary, all over the sanctuary. Let's pray again. Bow your head, close your eyes. Father God, again, Lord, thank you for so many who are willing to say, God, use my life, use my time to glorify you. And Father, if we have any sin, if there's sin in our life, is there something in our life where we're investing our time or our talent or our treasure that doesn't glorify you, Father, we turn from that. We repent of our sin. And Father, we surrender the rest of our days anew to you, to your service, to your glory, and to your kingdom. Listen, every head bowed, every eye closed. Nobody... Nobody get up and leave during the invitation unless it's an emergency. Assume a posture of prayer. Be respectful of those around you. Maybe you've come to this place this morning. You know that you're not saved, man. You know you've never surrendered your life to Christ. And just a moment ago when I was saying you keep thinking tomorrow, 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 not today, tomorrow, tomorrow. And that rang true in your life because you know that's your story. And God has brought you here this morning so that you could respond to his gospel, to his good news, to his offer one more time. Don't wait for tomorrow. Repent. Turn from your sin and trust Christ today because it's all that you have. We're not promised tomorrow. Look up for just a second. Look at this verse. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2, it says, Behold, now, when? Now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. If you've been putting it off for any reason, if you've been putting up, getting right with God because you're embarrassed, I've already been baptized, I'm a member of the church, don't let any of those things stand in your way of being right with the creator of the universe, the very God who you will stand in front of someday in judgment because of your sins. And you're a sinner and you know it. And between today and and tomorrow, apart from Christ, that won't change. There's nothing in your life that's going to make you a better candidate for salvation between today and tomorrow. You're going to be the same sinner tomorrow that you are right now. Turn over a new leaf. Make a New Year's resolution. You'll still be a sinner. Tomorrow won't fix anything. You won't fix yourself. You can't fix yourself. If you can, why haven't you before now? You haven't because you can't. The only thing that can save us, the only thing that can fix us is Christ and the salvation that he offers. And when we come to Christ, it's today. Now is the day. And when we come, we come as sinners, man. We don't come as righteous people that need just a little extra boost. We're sinners. Right? We've, we've lied. We've stolen. We've blasphemed. We've committed adultery in our hearts. We've committed adultery for real. We sin. And nothing between right now and 24 hours is going to change that. 
you'll still be a lying, thieving, blaspheming, adulterator at heart tomorrow, just like you are today. The only thing that can take care of that is the blood of Jesus Christ. Man, when you just are honest with God, you're honest and real with yourself, and you just admit, I'm a sinner. And I say this sometimes, but I mean it, right? Sometimes we, I say, I do dirt, and I do it on purpose. You do some bad things sometimes, and you know it's wrong. Why? Because you're a sinner. You just confess, God, I'm a sinner. I can't fix this. And you turn from your sin, and you turn to Jesus. That's what repent means. It means I'm turning. So here's my sin. I don't want that anymore. I don't want to go to hell. I want Jesus. And we turn to Christ. And the Bible is clear that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Even you, even me, anyone will be saved. Not maybe, not if you clean up and do your best and then come to God. Turn over a new leaf, New Year's resolution. None of those things work only thing that works is surrender God I'm a sinner save me Jesus that'll work we pray with me one more time every head bowed every eye closed listen guys today is the day of salvation and just now you know that you need Christ you know that you're a sinner and you want to pray to receive Jesus Christ. I want to pray with you. I'm not going to drag you forward. I'm not going to trick you into coming up here or any of that. God will take care of that. But right now, in your seat, between you and God, you want to return from your sin and trust Christ to save you. Listen, every head is bowed. Every eye is closed. No one's looking. If that's your prayer right now, save me, Jesus. That's your prayer. Just slip your hand up so I can pray for you. God bless you. Who else? God bless you. God bless you. Who else? God bless you. Look, simply pray that prayer, what I was just talking about. And it's not the prayer. It's you doing business with God, being sincere with God, humbling yourself to the point that you're willing to acknowledge that you're a sinner. And tell God, God, I'm a sinner. And tell him, like, Lord, I do dirt and I do it on purpose. I know it's wrong and I still see it. But Lord, I turn from my sin, and I'm turning to Jesus. Save me, Jesus. Tell him. Tell him, say, Lord, I'm putting my faith in your death, burial, and resurrection for my salvation. Christ alone. All of me, I understand. I surrender to all of you. Save me, Jesus. Listen, you pray a prayer like that, you just got saved. God sent his Holy Spirit to give you resurrection power in your life. Christ is in you. You are a new creation. You're not who you were yesterday. Today is the day of salvation.